We are seeing some changes in the Lone Star State. It doesn't involve Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn. It involves the head coach. Um, and Barry Trotz is still in the market, just putting that out there. Also, uh, the Penguins keeping a key part of their core for the next six years and a reasonable price at that. Plus, as we break down the series in play, one Florida team finds itself on the brink of elimination. Episode 321 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. A bit of a disclaimer before we start the show. Today I'm recording uh, at my workspace, which is a live newsroom. So if you yeah. hear people in the background, that is because it is a live newsroom. What can you do uh, instead of my home studio uh, today? Uh, and kicking off the show, Brett, uh, changes in Dallas, uh, a new head coach. Don't know who it is yet, but we know it will not be Rick Bonus, who is out after three seasons on the job. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but I will say that maybe it just has something to do with the fact that I know you're at a radio station right now. It, like, if, it already feels like your audio quality is that much better, but maybe it's just like some weird psychological trick that's being played on me. 75 years of history just makes my, my voice sound majestic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that's that. That's the reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just, uh, it's funny. I mean, it, because, like, I would imagine the radio station uh, knows what they're doing, so, um, versus uh, what we have at home. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, standard grade Sennheiser, um, mic headset uh, dual so it's a headset and you also have a mouthpiece uh, that doubles as a microphone it's uh, well built and very durable right right so i mean i don't know what any of that means which is funny because i i produce this podcast it, it is always funny yeah. that you you produced a radio show and i'm the one who produced this podcast you, you, you think uh, being a tech producer i know yeah. a lot about technology you're sadly mistaken <laughs> i don't know as much as you think i do <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's just, uh, it's just funny. Um, anyways, uh, so yes, uh, as Steve mentioned, uh, Rick Bonus is uh, has stepped down from the coaching uh, from coaching the Dallas Stars. I, yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because it seemed like he would like, even though the the Stars did make the playoffs, it seemed like Rick Bonus was on his way out anyways um trying to I, for some reason hockey db only gives us the first two years of rick bonus's coaching here um but uh he did make it to while i stall for a second he did okay here it is uh so he um of course he did make it to the uh stanley cup finals in that bubble year uh, where he was the interim coach, uh, and um, yeah, so he, he did do that, which was cool, um, and that just so happened to be his best year. He went 20-13-5. Uh, last year wasn't so great. Uh, he went 23-19-14, and 14. Um, which, I mean, which isn't bad, but like they didn't make the playoffs, um, and then this... had to deal with a COVID outbreak right. and a bunch of that other too. things, too. Yep. So that that played against them in the early season struggles. Although, 
to be fit to be fair it's like yes that is an invalid excuse but like so did a lot of like half the league <laughs> yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong but yeah. um when when it's when stuff to get your feet wet yeah, yeah. that's, fa- that's year, totally you're fair not, right you're not really picking up enough steam yeah. uh you know even the couple of points they missed those are huge early in the season fair fair totally uh this year it was actually not so bad uh 46 30 and 6 uh, 98 points, um, and then they made the playoffs, so that's great. So then if you put it all together, he had a record of 176, 89, and 62. Um, wait, no, that's, I did that wrong. That's probably out of, that's yeah. out of his, no, 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 yeah, 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 I, I read that wrong. 176 games, it's not 176 wins, uh, 89 wins, 62 losses, and 25 uh, top, or overtime losses. Um, still pretty good. Yeah, still pretty good. That's a, I guess, that's a point percentage of 577. So that's that's not, that's not bad uh, for a three-season uh, year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, it is a little bit shocking that he, uh, he chose to step down because, like, I, I think he was kind of on the verge of getting out. So it's not, it's not like a huge shock, but... I guess it's more shocking just that, like, you decided to, like, bow out and, and do something else. Um, I do think, like, just the fact that he did step out, I do, like, it reminds me of when Paul Maurice stepped out early on in the season. So I am curious if if it's just something where, like, Rick Bonus just wants a new, like, just wants, um, has had it with hockey or whatever and decides to do something else. his contract was up at the end of yeah. the year. That's that's fair too, um, or like, but like, if he wants back in, um, he can he'll certainly uh, get a job, another head coaching gig, uh, pretty soon. So, um, also part of ways with a couple of assistants should also yeah. mention that he wasn't the only one that left the Stars organization. That Interesting, day. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not necessarily sure what Dallas does next. Um, I like you know Barry Trotz, of course, is available, um, but. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it should be intriguing to see what the the Dallas Stars do because um, yeah, we'll see. Here's the thing about the Dallas Stars: they were a playoff team. There's no denying that. I mentioned the regulation wins and the overtime wins. They had 46 wins. 31 of them were in regulation, which means in the overtime or shootouts, they won 15 times which you don't really see out of a playoff team. It's it's a rarity, honestly. Um, but you know what? It shows resolve. It shows that the team can find ways to win very tight one-goal games. And you saw it against the Calgary Flames. However, you also saw Jake Ettinger play out of his goddamn mind the entire series. And you can't really um, ask your goalie to do that all the time because eventually it comes back to bite you. It, 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 like, look at Igor Shashurkin in the Rangers early in the Penguin series. He looked super even the first two games. But then Pittsburgh found a weak spot. They attacked it, and they uh, got some goals on him. So if it can happen to him, if it can happen to Carter Hart, if it can happen to Cam Talbot after his incredible 16-17 season in Edmonton, it can happen to Jake Ettinger as well. They... They, they find a weak spot, they attack it. Um, and eventually fatigue catches up with you. And you don't want to ruin a young goalie with the potential to be as much of a game changer as Jake Ettinger is. The other thing I will point out about Dallas, 
they had a negative 11 goal differential, which for playoff teams to have a negative goal differential also doesn't happen very often. If, if any, you might have one outlier and an entire pack of playoff teams every single year, but it, it's rare that you get multiple of them. And uh, Dallas was the outlier in that regard. I also think even though a lot of it is due to wear and tear, you need to find a way to make it so Jason Robertson is contributing, Rupe Hintz is contributing, the young stars are contributing, but also that Jimmy Ben and Tiger Tyler Sagan are putting points on the board. Right. <laughs> and, uh, that was a struggle, and it has been a struggle over the past couple of years, and I think they need to fix that with whatever their next coach is going to be, whoever their next coach is going to be. And if you look at uh, the Dallas Stars, Pavelski, obviously their leading scorer with 81 points, he's in his late 30s. Jason Robertson, 79 points. That's what that's what you like to see. Rupe Hintz was 72, 37 goals there. That's great. Right after that, Tyler Sagan with a minus 21, 49 points in 81 games played. He is their fourth best scorer on the team. John Klingberg's the fifth best with uh, 47 points in 74 games. He was a minus 28 on the season. And Jamie Benn, with 46 points, only 18 goals in 82 games, was a minus 13. So you need to get everyone on the same boat, and you need to get positive results out of everyone, or is, or, or you need a much of a game-changing influence there. I think the Dallas Stars could be a good fit for Barry Trotz based on how they can run their defense, based on the talent that they have, uh, especially when you consider how he was utilizing the, uh, the rugged bottom six forwards on the Islanders, not necessarily saying that Jimmy Ben is nothing more than a top six player, uh, nothing less than a top six player, like he's a third or a fourth line grinder all of a sudden, but like Jimmy Ben can, can still play. He still has heart. He still gives it all every single game, even though the points uh, don't always show it on the score sheet. You just need to get more out of your players. The plus minuses need to be better. The team play needs to be better. And you can't rely on your goaltender every single night. Barrett Trotz definitely has a lot to offer. And I'm interested to see what their approach would have been if Trotz wasn't on the open market. Maybe they think about the idea of keeping Rick Bonus around a bit more if Trotz isn't on the market. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. But, yeah, um... It's it's tough for for me to say just because I like Rick Bonus as a person. Yeah. I know the Riley Tufty stuff uh, kind of right. maybe doubt him for the first time ever, but he seems like a good guy who has a love for the game that knows what he's doing. But in terms of being a legitimate NHL head coach, that role hasn't stuck with him, and he's been in this game forever. He was he was the sensed. He was the first head coach in the modern day history of the Ottawa Senators, yeah. and the Sens were terrible in their first two years. Yeah, that's how long he's been in the league. The Sens have been a team for around thirty years, and he was their first ever coach. Right, right. Um, so for those, just in case people don't know, I don't know if we've ever mentioned it on the show because Riley Tufty is kind of like a fringe NHLer at this point. Uh, there was a point in this season when Riley Tufty, uh, he brought, uh, like, he had, like, 30 tickets for his hometown team, uh, for, like, I guess they were playing, um, a team from his hometown, so he brought, like, 30 tickets of, like, his friends and family, 
uh, to see I him finally one play. One of the Minnesota players, sorry to interrupt, Brett, one of the Minnesota players helped pay for That's right. the tickets because he ran out of money. I think, was it Bukestad? It might have been, yeah. That sounds familiar. Someone in Minnesota but, that paid for it. But, but, yeah, um, and then, yeah, either it was like a miscommunication or Rick Bonus just, uh, I don't know, like there was something else going on, but uh, Rick Bonus uh, healthy scratched him that game. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so then Riley Tufty was kind of just disappointed and the fans caught on and uh, they were upset at Bonus for that too. But it's unclear if that's like, if it was like intentional or like if it was just, um, something that you know was just a coincidence or something like that of that nature but um as for your other points um yeah i i do know what you mean i i think it's when you look at the dallas stars cap situation right now um it's interesting because they have i we, we talked about this last week but they have jason robertson and eddie ottinger i think it's ottinger not ettinger i'm gonna have to correct yeah. myself every time now but um but yeah, when they, um, uh, yeah, you have those guys and they're probably going to be getting paid a lot and they deserve it uh, for what they did this season and in the playoffs for Ottinger. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, even though, you know, they are RFAs, but those are two guys that you need to lock up fast right away. Um, so so I, I can see that. But like the thing is, is that you have, uh, Miro Heiskanen on a long-term deal. You have Tyler Sagan on a long-term deal. You also have um, uh, Jamie Ben on a long-term deal or a relatively long-term deal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, w- having said that, it just means that Dallas is going to be in kind of cap hell once they pay Jason Robertson and Ottinger the money that they deserve to have. So we, like I said last year, yeah. don't forget Rupi Hintz. Rupi Hintz is another one. Yes, for sure. That's a good point. Um, so, um, and yeah, that's a, another reason why, like, John Klingberg, they're not even going to be able to sign him for what he's asking. So you're not going to have Klingberg next year. Um, and yeah, so There does seem to be an optimism. Sorry, Brett. There, uh, from fine. a recent article I read, there does seem to be some optimism that Klingberg wants to stay here and he's willing to work to make the term and the money fit. But I think it's the term that uh, is concerning Dallas, which is kind of funny when you consider the term they gave to Miro Heiskanen and Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Right, right, right. So I I do... Of all people, too. They gave him four years. He's got three years left. Right. Um, so I, I, like, I think like whoever this next coach is like, just given their cap situation, like Sagan and Ben need to have a bounce back season the next couple of times. Um, I don't like, so this next coach, whoever it is needs to be like, have a good relationship with those two players. Cause it's like, you know, those two players used to be pretty good. And I think that's. That's gonna be, make it to the, like the next step. It's like, yeah, it's one. It's they got lucky that Jason Robertson has been phenomenal, and Ottinger has been phenomenal as well. But, um, but yeah, they don't. Uh, but like, it would be even better once they can get Sagan going and Ben going to what we know that they can be. And yes, I know that they're old, and that might be a factor to it. Sagan also has injury history in the past, so that's that's also probably a factor as well. But it's like even still like during that bubble year 
uh, during the playoffs, like Sagan was one of their best players, and he was playing injured that entire playoffs. Yeah. So it's like we know what Sagan is capable of, and if in order for the stars to get to that next level, Sagan and Jamie Ben need to be better, and uh, hopefully that's what this next coach will do, um, and we'll we'll see. Um, and if, 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 it, if it is Barry Trotz, uh, the yep. one thing that I will say is that in New York and in, Lo- in Long Island, Josh Bailey and Jordan Everlay were playing some of the best hockey of their careers under True. Barry Trotz. No, that's a good point. And you know what? Maybe the same can happen with Sagan and Ben. Not necessarily their best hockey because I think those days might be behind them, True. but still really good hockey. If you can get at least really good hockey, a couple more fairly good seasons out of Ben and Sagan, that still can go a long way to help this team become a playoff regular and a Stanley Cup threat. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, The one thing I will say about Trotz, though, is that, like, um, yes, you had, like, Ovechkin um, on that team, uh, on that Washington team, and Barzal was able to put up some offensive numbers. But, like, most of Trotz's team's uh, coach teams are usually more defensive and they don't score that often. So, um, so like, even if you get, like, and, and that's fine. Like, Sagan and Ben are at that sort of the career where they should transition to more of, like, a, a multifaceted type players, um, which, which is fine, too. It's like, I'm not expecting them to be 90-point players like they once were, but um, especially if Trotz is there. But I, I would assume they would buy into it if it's, like, Okay, well, I'll play defense better if um, if that means that we're going to go further into the playoffs or in, and get a cup potentially. So uh, that that's something to consider as well. But um, but that, you know, it's one of those things where Trotz is a great coach in real life. But if you if you're on um, if you have players of him you know, on your team on your fantasy team, he's probably not going to be good for you. Um, so yeah, I mean yeah. people. Well, People might say the same about anyone on the Carolina Hurricanes, but hey, if it gets you wins, who really cares about your fans? I mean, uh, I would disagree a little bit. Uh, Sveshnikov is a fantasy monster, but um, and, and Sebastian oh, yeah, is no, nice. No, he but, is for sure. But yeah, he yeah. He is for sure. I, I do get your point. a system that's more driven about balanced hockey and yeah. getting results. No, no, that's fair. I was, I was just thinking like Sveshnikov hits a lot, so he's... he's yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. well... Yeah, let, let's talk about real-life hockey instead, um, and let's move on. Uh, Brian Rust, uh, he he signed a contract uh, as a 30-year-old. He's getting, uh, for six more years, uh, he's, it's 5.125. Um, that's not a bad bad deal. Brian Rust is, act, like, it's kind of interesting when, like, he's kind of a, a bit underrated. Uh, this year, he had 58 points in 60 games. Uh, which is insane. Last year he had 42 points in 56 games. Um, and uh, so it's like he might just be a late bloomer like Joe Pavelski or Brad Marchand is. Um, it also might be helpful that if you're on a line with Crosby and Malkin, that's that's not too bad, of course. Uh, so, so that's just something to consider. But um, yeah, even if like, you know, I, I like this deal. Like, yes, it's, it's probably not great to have a long-term contract on a 30-year-old. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if if this doesn't go so hot, uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not that bad. It's like, you know, $5 million. That's like, 
it's it's still a fair amount, but it's not like something that's going to gut your system, like Jeff Skinner, as we were talking off air. But um, so I, I don't hate it, um, and it's it's got, it reminded me of that Ryan Nugent Hopkins deal that uh, he signed last year, which was like five point one million as well, but like for eight more years. So I'd rather this because this is six years, um, and then like Ryan Nugent Hopkins and. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, net like as good of a player as he is, uh, he's the third line center right now. So it's like he's not even the top, top the top six, uh, whereas Brian Russ is going to be in the top six. Um, as for the Penguin salary cap, I, I I think this means that Malkin and Latang are probably um, on the way out. I'm let's either both or just one at least one of them is which is what we were saying last week but um but i think it's like official that i don't, I don't see how they can uh afford to keep uh, either one see here's where i disagree because malcolm and rust have great chemistry yeah, yeah. i wonder if this is just like hey we got Brian Rust for five more years. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. For another five years, Gino. You want to stay? We <laughs> got five more years of Brian Rust in Pittsburgh. Think about it. Um, Chris Latang is a different story, though. Um, I do think there is a. I'd say it's a 50 50 chance that uh, they can't afford to keep him or they just move on, especially with uh, John Klingberg on the market. So they could spend that money there because. Pittsburgh has money to play with uh, pending free agents. They also have Ricard Raquel as a free agent, Evan Rodriguez as a free agent, which, you know, he's only making $1 million, so that's not that big of a cap dump there. Um, but uh, you also have Jason Zucker coming off the books after next season. Not necessarily sure what happens with him. But there is another thing to keep in mind, and that's Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel is another underrated for I wouldn't say underrated for He's but not like underrated a guy anymore. that's on a huge, huge bargain contract, even more so than Brian Rust. He's making $6 million per season for two more seasons after this year. And Jake Gensel uh, is a two-time 40-goal scorer in the NHL, a point-per-game player, and uh, the wingman to Sidney Crosby at, un, until further notice. He's an absolute stud. So for Pittsburgh, in order to continue this window, they need secondary scoring. They just secured that secondary scoring with Brian Rust. And Brian Rust, over the past couple of years, I've mentioned this before, close to a point-a-game player. This year, dangerously close. 58 points, 60 games, 24 goals in those 60 games. The year before, he had 22 goals in 56 games with 42 points. And uh, then his best season was 27 goals in 55 games in the lockout shortened 1920 season. He had 56 points in those 55 games. And it doesn't really show that he is a playoff performer, but uh, he's had some fairly big moments for the Penguins in the playoffs, even as a deaf player. Yeah. So I think it was a very wise decision to get him uh, at this contract on this turn. And the fact they only took 5.125 million per year to get it done. His previous cap it was 3.5. I still consider this a bargain. I still think he's got some good years ahead of him where he can play at a point per game pace at least. And if you keep Evgeny Malkin there, uh, see if you hear the phone ring live studio. What can I say? I didn't uh, hear it. So. Uh, okay, good, good. Go second. 
at the end of the day, if you're looking at oh, now I hear team, it. Now I hear it. <laughs> if you're looking at a team that wants to contend for a Stanley Cup every single year, that think its best years are still ahead of them. You need Brian Rust in that mix as a secondary scorer, especially when you consider the cap space that's still out there that you're not really sure how you're going to use it. Um, you, obviously, you have Malkin uh, to resign. You have three more years of Sidney Crosby, so you're good there. But also that looming future of uh, Jake Ensel and what you do with the rest of that cap space, that factors into things a lot, which is why it was important for them to get Brian Rust at a decent uh, cap in. Um, I thought he would be a guy that hits the open market and someone is willing to pay him easily six to seven million dollars to play for them. So the fact that they not only got this done, but also got this done at least a couple months before he hit the open market, good piece of business by Ron Hextall, and I think it's a contract that's going to age very well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like, even if it doesn't uh, fare well, as I mentioned, it's like, you know, you, it's not like something that you could you could still like trade him away towards the end um, so it, it's not like going to be so much of a burden uh, for other teams so I could see it like even working out that way too like let's say the Penguins uh, don't have Malkin and don't have Crosby and are going to start this rebuild it's like okay like they move on Ryan Ross to another team and um, and you get something for him um, so, so that could definitely work um, all right, so now we're going to start off with the, the four playoffs and do what we usually do, um, like we did, uh, I guess, two weeks ago for round one, but this time it's round two. Um, the first series we're going to, I mean, I guess it's interesting because we always lead off with the Atlantic Division, but that's just mostly, I guess maybe it's like the East Coast bias and <laughs> it's, it's a coincidence really just because, it's not just because our two favorite teams are um, in the Atlantic Division, but um, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna start off with the uh, Tampa Bay Florida series um, in the Atlantic. Um, this is um, actually not has hasn't been as exciting as it used to be or as it should have been, um, and that's just because uh, Tampa has uh, is up with a three nothing series lead, um, and the Panthers have just failed to score. Um, in fact, that in the three games that they've played. Um, they've only scored one goal in each of those games, so it's like, yeah, they just haven't shown up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, even, even still, um, of course, like what Tampa's doing is impressive. Um, Kucherov has been the star of the show, uh, where he has uh, seven points in three games. Stamkos has four points in three games. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's definitely great. Um, and I, I think, um... I, I was looking at this the other time. I believe Huberdeau, yeah, Huberdeau leads the team. Of course, there's an ad. I apologize for that. Um, uh, yeah, so Huberdeau has, uh, leads the Florida team this round with uh, two assists um, in three games, and he's the only Florida Panther who has two points. Or with, <laughs> so that, that just shows you how... Uh, how bad this uh, Florida Panthers team has been. Um, and it's not just their scoring that, that's been effective, it's uh, their their goaltending hasn't been great either. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I and, and the other thing to mention too is that um, they play tomorrow. Um, so it's a back-to-back, um, and it, it's very well, this could be a sweep 
uh, for, for Tampa, um, which is, you know, um, which is kind of a sad thing if, if you're a Florida Panthers fan, um, because Florida just needs to figure it out. Um, and I don't know, I, I think it, it is like a part of their identity is that they always come back from behind. But at the same time, like Tampa, it, this is what they're known for. Uh, Tampa like never has been known to never like lose two games in a row, especially with Vasilevsky playing as he is during the playoffs. It's um, it's going yeah. It's just you know we knew it was, the Lightning were going to be a tough out. Uh, you know they've they've won two cups in a row for a reason, um, and yeah. So I I I hate to say it, but I don't think the Florida Panthers can do it. Um, but you know because then they would have to reverse sweep. Um, I'm actually thinking Tampa might just be a uh, might three p. Um, it's I, I I feel like like. They're destined at this point. The one thing that is going to be Florida's undoing is their power play, straight up. Yep. They went an entire six-game series against the Washington freaking Capitals without a power play goal. And just today, today being Sunday, game three, Sam Reinhart scored the only goal for the Florida Panthers in game three, a 5-1 loss. It was on the power play. That's all the power play goals they have, Brett, in this playoffs. How? How can a team with all of that depth, even on the fourth freaking line, go two plus weeks without a power play goal at the most important time of the season? Sometimes, sometimes it's who gets hot. And you know what? Tampa didn't look good in the Toronto series. But somewhere around game six or game seven, like I said last week, Tampa Bay woke up. And now, look out. Tampa Bay, okay, first game of the series, right? Florida Panthers, I mentioned the fact that they didn't have a single power play goal in this entire series. And if I look at the game one stat sheet, which I'm looking at right now, oh, yeah. Tampa went three for six on the power play to start the series. Three for six and put 14 power play shots on Sergei Bobrovsky over the course of those six opportunities that they got. And they won four to one. And Florida got the first goal of the game. They had a one nothing lead after the first period. Then Kutrov makes this absolutely absurd pass to um, Corey Perry for his third goal of the playoffs. Corey Perry now has five goals, by the way, which is crazy. Scoring Perry is back, apparently. Yep. What year is it, please? Um, and then you have that game against the time, against uh, the score clock, three seconds left, and Tampa scores with three seconds left. Ross Colton, who, another death player, by the way, who has five goals in these playoffs. The depth players showing up for Tampa Bay. Corey Perry got his fourth goal of the playoffs in that game, by the way. So he continues to show up in those big moments. The Lightning went one for three on the power play in that game. Uh, And out of the eight shots that Florida got over the four power plays they got, they got Zilch Dilly squad. And that leads us to the power play goal that they got today. I was watching some of the power play. In fact, there was, I believe, a five on three in the early stages of the game. And they were moving the puck around. They had sustained pressure in Tampa's end, and they couldn't execute. 
Florida's just missing that execution at the worst possible time. And you know what? I think all that winning, similar to what Tampa did in 1819 when they got swept by Columbus in the first round, all that winnings hurt them. Because Florida, again, outside of that stretch where Quenville gets fired, and at that time they had won seven straight to start the year, that's the most adversity I think they faced all year. Like, this is a team that had two double-digit win streaks, for crying out loud. And they are still struggling to score power play goals in the playoffs when it matters. And Nikita Kucherov has a four-point game. The Stars are, are shining. Steven Stamkos has two goals in game three as well. It's a combination of the death players showing up for Tampa Bay and not showing up for Florida. It's a combination of the Stars doing their thing. Timely goaltending by Andre Vasilevsky. And in those key moments, like that five-on-three power play that Tampa killed off, uh, that five-on-three Panthers power play that Tampa killed off, and that goal with three seconds left in regulation in game two, where if Florida kills that off, they go to overtime, they have a chance to tie that series up. Instead, they go home with a deflating loss. And by home, I mean to Tampa Bay because they lose those first two games at home because people forget Florida is so good and so much better than Tampa Bay record-wise. They have home ice in this series, and it doesn't face Tampa. Tampa's just finding ways to get it done, and Florida's not. That's the storyline of this series. Yeah, no, that, that's that's very uh, or that's well said. I um, got a question for you though. Uh, would you start Spencer Knight uh, for Game Four? Maybe to try and save your season for one more day, but I think it's too late. Even if they start Spencer Knight in Game Four and they win. And even if they start Spencer Knight in game five and they win, they've still got to go into Tampa for game six. True. And then they have to win that just to force game seven at home. Tampa's going to win one of those four games. Yeah. I, I think Tampa is built for any situation and Florida is just trying to punch at someone in their weight class and they just keep missing every single shot they take. They keep just, they, they're they getting outclassed. In the long range game, they're getting outclassed and it's showing clearly who has been in the playoffs and who's won in the playoffs more in this series. Right. Florida going in this series was like, first playoff series win since 1996, here they come. Right, this right. is gonna be the year. And, and Tampa Bay is proving, yeah, well, how many series have we won in the past five or six? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, this, you know, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It is kind of sad. I figured that Florida's goaltending was going to come back and bite them. Um, but, you know, I, I was still, I still remain hopeful. I, I do think that you have to put in Spencer Knight, especially since it is a back-to-back. Um and you just see how it goes. But, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I don't have too much faith because they'd have to win four straight games against this Tampa Bay team, and that, I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, all right, let's, um, let's move on to the next series, which is actually playing right now. Um, it's the New York Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes. Um, it's actually two, uh, so there, it's a game that's playing right now. It's, uh, Rangers are up 2-1. 
Um, so that's uh, exciting. Um, so, uh, and that means that uh, Zabinajad and Kreider got the goals for the Rangers. Nino Ninnerreiter uh, got the goal for Carolina. Um, and it's the middle of the second right now. So, um, but uh, anyways, um, we're, we're, we're just going to talk about the, the games uh, that have already happened. The Hurricanes have scored two goals. Rangers have only uh, have scored. So the game two was two nothing Hurricanes. Game one was two one uh, Hurricanes, and that was an overtime. Um, and the, uh, Carolina won that game in overtime. Um, this is one of those series that, of course, the game is still playing. So it's it's I I feel like we could be fools once uh, once this game is over. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like this game, it, like, even though, like, the Rangers lost those two games, like, I never really felt that, like, the, the Rangers were out of it. So, um, so I could really see this, this series being a long series, but, um, <laughs> but I'm sure, like, as soon as we stop recording, like, Carolina's going to get, like, 50 goals or whatever. Um, so I we'll see. I, I feel like this this game right here, game three, is is going to be huge to see how how they do. And it and it remains current that uh, Carolina can win on the on, at home, but um, but hasn't been able to to win on the road if if the results remain. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, as for the Carolina side of things. Uh, Sebastian Ajo leads the team in points with three uh, three points. Um, so that includes uh, that one goal that uh, Nino Nierreiter had. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, what, what's what's your take? So here's the thing about the Carolina Hurricanes: they can beat you in a bunch of different ways. You look at Game One; shots are twenty nine to twenty six in that two to one overtime win. And I'm thinking, man, this is a freaking New York Rangers team that was just trading shots left and right with Pittsburgh, and it didn't stop from the start of game one to the dramatic ending to game seven. Like, it was just a shot barrage all day, all night. It was it was party central. And then you get to game two, where you thought, oh, 29 to 26, that's a boring shot total for the Rangers to lead in. Shots were 22 to 21. And it's do nothing regulation win for the Hurricanes. And right now, Carolina is losing two to one, but the shots are 27 to 19 for Carolina. It's 9.33 left in the second right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. They get all this, turn on a dime and just rip 40 shots on you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. So they they can play a bunch of different ways, and they can and and they've got the guys on that roster to beat you in so many different ways. And a prime example of that is one of many former New York Rangers on this team, Brendan Smith. This is a forward defense hybrid player who people mock him for the contract that he signed with the Rangers, but you know what? He's still in the league, and he's still eager to make an impact. And in the first two games of this series, he made an impact when it mattered. For starters, game one, he assists on the most what-the-heck goal trifecta, which is Ian Cole scoring in overtime from Brendan Smith and Yasperi Kakaniemi. 
definitely not uh, the power play unit coming to life in overtime and making the most dramatic play, highlight real goal, none of that. Just get the puck on net, find a way to score the goal, and they did. And then he scores a shorthanded goal that proves to be the game winner in that 2 nothing game, and he also draws a few penalties along the way. So, uh, yeah, in terms of themes, in terms of guys to watch, Brendan Smith has really caught my attention in this series, and I think he'll continue to be a pest. Oh, by the way, uh, it says he's registered as a defense. I don't know if they're utilizing him as one. His average time on ice through the first two games, 12 minutes and 54 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was funny. When you when you mentioned Brendan Smith, I had forgotten that he's on Carolina, and I was just, like, looking at the lines for the Rangers. I was just like, I don't see Brendan Smith. It's like... I know he's talking about him, but then I was just like, that is odd, because I did see his name a lot during the series. And then I was just like, oh, that's right, he's on Carolina, which is which is just funny, because it's like, there's so many former Rangers on Carolina. It's just like, right, right. Yeah, I, I feel like for the average hockey fan, yeah. it's just like, wait, he's, yeah. Brendan Smith is on that team? Yeah, yeah exactly, right. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, speaking of lines, I, I did find this interesting that uh, the top six for the Rangers are Kreider, Zabinijad, and Heidel. I almost said Heidel for uh, on the top line, and then the second line is Strom, Lafreniere, and Panarin. So, um, so I, I, I like to see that Lafreniere and Heidel are getting some some exposure, and and that can that can certainly raise their stock a bit. But um, and we can finally see if they're they're really what it's all about. Uh, neither Which one. Is interesting yeah. because the only goal that the Rangers had heading into Game Three, and they have two in Game Three. True. They had uh, one in the first two games. Yeah. Keel scored it, and Lafreniere assisted on. Yeah, yeah. It, and they were on the same line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that that is a good point. Um, yeah, because they they actually had like a pretty good chemistry with uh, Kako, but yeah, they moved Cop and Vitrano onto the third line, uh, which I find interesting. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So far, they're winning, so it, it's working, even though neither uh, Heidel, Heidel, I keep on saying Heidel for some reason, uh, Heidel and uh, Lafreniere are both, um, they don't have a point, but their line mates do, so that, that's cool. Um, all right, um, is that it for, uh, do you have anything else on this series, or? I will say, um, I think Artemi Panarin needs to dictate the pace if the Rangers have any chance of winning this series. Forget winning game three or winning this series. I think the Carolina Hurricanes, through the first two games, did a fairly good job of containing containing Panarin's offensive abilities. And he's the type of player where if he dictates the pace, the the, the entire team gets going. If they keep him off the score sheet and they keep him contained, Carolina... Um, I think they got this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I, just judging from how this series has gone, I could see this going seven. And, and at that point, it's like anyone's game. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Panarin did get an assist on a power play for the first Rangers goal today. So he has been contributing, but we'll see. Um, and it looks like Zibanejad has been making some noise. He has a goal and assist tonight, uh, today. So that's nice. Um, all right, let's go to the Western Conference, which has actually been kind of an exciting, uh, an exciting three games here. Colorado is up uh, two to one in the series, um, but like you know, I was kind of like you know, as I 
in the in our power rankings, I did have Colorado in first and St. Louis in second. So I did figure that this would be like a fun, uh, a fun little thing, but um, or like it would be a close series or closer than we thought it would be. But um, yeah, it's 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 definitely lived up to that. But um, we're gonna start off with game one. Uh, it was. Uh, it, it ended in overtime where Josh Manson of all players uh, gets the overtime game winner. Um, so that's that's been fun. And then in game two, the Blues took off surprisingly. Um, and then um, in, yeah, in game three, the Avalanche win five to two. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Bennington and Kadri in a second, uh, but I do want to shout out. Um, who do I want to shout out? I do want to shout out Gabriel Landeskog, who has four points. Miko Rantanen, who has four points. Kadri has three. McKinnon has three. Josh Manson has three. So, um, of course, Colorado is still contributing. On the St. Louis side of things, you have um, Ryan O'Reilly has two goals and two assists. Uh, so that's nice to see. He didn't really have a great first round, so it's nice to see that he's he's perked up. Buchnevich has three assists in three games. I'm I'm more most impressed by Jordan Cairo because I feel like, um, he, like he did have a breakout season this year, but I feel like he's uh, he's really shown off what he's capable of doing and more um, uh, in this series. And uh, let's see, how old is he? He is uh, 24 years old, so he's only going to get better. Cairo uh, has been really impressive in this series. Um, yeah, I. I, and then I guess we can get into uh, Bennington is out for the series, so St. Louis is going to have to deal with Ville Husso. But on the other hand, that means that we have no more potential of a playoff Bennington tw circa 2019 anymore. So uh, that's good to uh, see from my biased opinion. Um, but uh, I am going to be unbiased for a second because I I have <laughs> bias against both these guys now. But uh, what ended up happening, there was an incident last night where Kadri uh, falls into um, into Jordan Bennington and uh, Bennington eventually starts to like throw a water bottle at Kadri. But if you look at the replay, it looks like there was a Blues defenseman who... Uh, who like pushes Kadri into Bennington. So, um, so I don't think this is on Kadri at all. Um, and definitely, even if Kadri did do this, that doesn't mean that uh, Kadri deserves to get thrown a water bottle at him. Uh, so that's, that's not cool, uh, Jordan Bennington, in case anyone needs to know my stance on this. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, so it, it didn't look great, but um, but yeah, I, I think it was just an incidental type thing, especially since there was the Blues defenseman who it looked like he pushed Kadri into Bennington. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what uh, Huso has been made of. He's been shown to be the better goaltender uh, during the regular season out of, from Bennington, but you know, the Colorado Avalanche are a different animal, so um, it, it changes the whole series. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Colorado will now uh, win this series. Um, so so we'll see about that. The bad news for Colorado, however, is that they uh, Sam Gerrard is out for the playoffs. 
um, and we'll, we'll see him next year, which is a shame because he is a good player. But I don't know. I guess Colorado has a good amount of depth that they can they can make out with without without him. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a, a thrilling series for sure so far. Yeah. So let's let's start off with um, the the entry to Sam Gerard. Obviously, a tough blow. Good all around defenseman for Colorado. Even though it looked like um, last last year at the end of the playoffs against Vegas. Uh, he was kind of with uh, Ryan Graves on uh, the wrong side of history there, and he was uh, getting a little bit of flack for his performance there. Um, that that being said, I don't know if this Kale McCarr kid or this De- Devon Taves kid, I don't really know if they can pick up the slot while he's gone. <laughs> and I, I don't know if they're good enough <laughs> NHL players to do that. Yeah. Obviously, kidding, because Kale McCarr is nominated for <laughs> the best uh, spot yeah. in his profession. So, right, right, right. Yeah. Only that. Only that. Not a bad player. Not a bad player at all. Um, but, yeah, it'll be tough um, for, for Colorado to go out the entire playoffs with that. I feel like Sam Gerrard is one of those guys, those all-around guys that uh, your your team needs. Uh, kind of like Eric Johnson, where at times, you know, it looked like Colorado's defense was pretty good and, like, they don't necessarily need Eric Johnson, but he's still a stabilizing presence there. So I'm interested to see um, overall as a team how the performance uh, changes um, with Sam Gerard. The good news is, I will say, in this series, uh, a guy they brought in to help out in the defensive depth department, Josh Manson, has a goal and two assists in three games. So uh, when you have Josh Manson contributing, even with an OT winner in game one, um, I think you're in pretty good hands. And yep. uh, I would say... The Jordan Bennington injury potentially hurts the Blues more than the Sam Gerrard injury hurts the Avs in this series because Jordan Bennington has played pretty well, I will I will say, since entering the series in Game 4 against Minnesota with the Blues potentially going down 3-1 if they don't win Game 4. For whatever reason, Bennington and the Blues have played good team-first hockey, and it's led to results. At the same time, though, this is the Colorado Avalanche, not the Minnesota Wild that we're talking about. Minnesota is a good team, but Colorado has got depth up the wazoo, not to the level of Florida, but still they've got superstar talent in their top six. That's the cream of the crop in the NHL. And you saw that on display in game one. 19 to 9 were the shots in the second period. It was only 8 to 7 after the first, so Colorado started to get their game going through, towards the midway point. Uh, 14 to 9 abs for the shots in the third period of game one. And then you get to overtime where they outshoot the Blues, Brett, 13 to nothing before Manson scores that winner. And on top of that, uh, they only had five power play shots on three chances, and they went 0 for 3 in that game. And they still outshot the Blues 54 to 25. They they can score any which way they, they want to because they're that good of a hockey club. Obviously, St. Louis showing us some pushback in the second period and tying the game, and uh, Bennington was a key part in that. But the Avs only got 31 shots in that game, so right away, that's an upgrade. And then you get to the game where, of course, Bennington is hurt, and uh, we get to this uh, situation of goalie interference versus not goalie interference. And also, is everything that Kadri does intentional? In this case, I don't think it was. It's awfully tough to prove that there was intent to injure. 
Um, obviously, any time a guy runs into a goalie, your your blood starts to boil instantaneously. It looked like he was kind of directed into the net a little bit by uh, Callie Rosen's back check, which looks, right. um, is why I give Kadri a bit of slack there. It's an unfortunate play, don't get me wrong, and I feel bad for Bennington. But e- e- even if it wasn't Jordan Bennington, uh, whoever just, like... Uh, chucks a water bottle at a guy after the game while he's doing a live TV interview. And this isn't on the Blackhawks, or uh, sorry, not the Blackhawks. This isn't (laughs) on the Colorado Avalanche TV network. This is on NHL on TNT. This is nationwide broadcast we're talking about. Yep. And someone just chucks a water bottle at Nazem Kadri's feet. Now, again, it wasn't like at his head, but you can hear the sound of what sounds like a water bottle and you can hear Kadri just you can't hear it but like you can just hear Kadri stutter as he just like like glances out of the corner of his eye who the heck threw that <laughs> and he and he mentions I uh, think he just threw a water bottle at me he being Bennington I don't really know if it was Bennington but even if it was someone else on the St. Louis Blues, that, that's just classless. It's it's childish antics. No place for that in the game whatsoever. Um, and I know people are going to go after Nazem Kadri's reputation, especially in the playoffs, and it's easy to do that because he hasn't helped his own cause. Jordan Bennington is not helping his cause with some of the actions previous to this. Uh, there was that altercation with the Sharks and Devin Dubnik after he got pulled from yep. a game. Everyone remembers that moment. And there was also a moment earlier in the season where I'm pretty sure it was a case where the Blues uh, were getting outclassed by Colorado. And what happens? Bennington gets a little testy and he throws a shot at, oh, Nassim Kadri. Yep. There's no history at all. No history to be seen whatsoever. There's no bad blood. Right. No bad yeah, blood I forgot about that. All. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing is, you got to pick your spots. you got to pick your battles. And at any point in a Stanley Cup playoff series, you, you, you've you got to control you got to control your temper. It obviously sucks that Bennington is out for the rest of the series. Uh, I don't really like Billy Huso's performance in the playoffs, I don't think the team in front of him has necessarily been that great. And for whatever reason, Bennington turned things around. Um, but yeah, if, if they keep getting more of the Billy Huso that we saw in game three and in games two and three of the Minnesota series, um, this, this could be over quickly. Um, Bennington was basically giving the blues Uh, well within reason of making this a series potentially winning this series but with him out of the picture uh, that's going to be tough for St. Louis to overcome even with all their death score yeah Um, so by the way it has been confirmed that that was Jordan Bennington who threw the water bottle according to Peter Bow I I thought I mentioned that to you but it uh, yeah two people have confirmed that it was definitely Bennington who did this Um, it is funny because uh I, you know, Bennington has said that he never gets nervous. Uh, he's Mr. Cool, Calm, Collected uh, guy. This is not Mr. Cool, Calm, Rattle Collected. Are two different things, yeah. just putting that out there. Yeah, but like, you know, like I wouldn't expect a Cool, Calm, Collected uh, guy to uh, to do this. Um, uh, yeah, he's definitely rattled and uh, things like that. So, 
Um, anyways, uh, yeah, a couple, <laughs> we, uh, a little bit behind the scenes here. Steve cut out um, uh, while I was talking about Colorado So uh, during this series. So a, l- a couple of those things I did mention already, especially the yeah, Josh Francis. I, I was wondering if I said too much. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's all right, but uh, but I just wanted to uh, to let people know that. Um, all right, um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, it is funny though. It's like I don't like Nazem Kadri because uh, what he did to my Bruins, and I also don't like Bennington's for what he he did to my Bruins. Um, and I will I will say um, I will say Jordan uh, Jordan Bennington is um, is a fool and a crybaby a crybaby here. So. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but noted. So I'm like, like the the two biases against these two people are like can't cancel each other out. I, w- I would like to say. And now I'm uh I'm not a homer anymore. Um, <laughs> in this situation. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, I I I agree with you though on all your other points, and and those are points that I already made. That uh yeah, even like you know, Billy Huso has been a better regular season. Uh, uh, goaltender compared to Bennington, but um, yeah, Colorado is just no match. And even if it's um, um, even Sam Gerard isn't going to, to matter there. Um, all right. Um, and then we go to the most exciting series, um, the Battle of on um, of Alberta. It's lived up to the hype, I would say. Uh, game one. Uh, so game one was uh, yeah. nine to six uh, game with. Calgary winning not having nine goals and Edmonton having six of them. Um, I guess it is six nine um, if you reverse the order, but uh, but yeah, technically it's, yeah, it was funny a nine number, six. Funny, yeah, number. funny number, wink wink, nudge nudge. nudge. Oh, um, should be doing the shots reporting twenty eight Calgary in that game. Yeah. You wouldn't know it's a nine to six score line. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, no, that's totally though. fair. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I was just going to pull up uh, McDavid's numbers here, but I can, while I wait, it's, it's slow loading, I guess. Um, but then uh, in the second game, it was, um, it was interesting because Calgary goes up uh, with a 3 nothing lead, and then Edmonton slowly starts to, to score. Um, they get closer and closer. It was funny. There was a moment uh, where uh, Connor McDavid pulls out this... Um, this nice assist to uh, Drysaitel um, and passes it to Drysaitel, and uh, they call it off because uh, McDavid lightly nudges uh, Markstrom, and then it was just funny because like the next minute McDavid scores yeah. another goal. So it's like, oh okay, he's just like scoring at will. He's just like, okay, fine, you can call this off, but uh, but yeah, we're we're just gonna score because he's Connor McDavid. Uh, he's playing his I'll best hockey. Again, he says, "I'll do it again." Yeah, he'll just do it again. He's playing the, his best hockey. Um, it's an ac- absolutely incredible to watch. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I like you know I wasn't alive when Wayne Gretzky was in his prime. Uh, same, I mean, I was like three years old when Mario was in his prime. Um, I, I've never seen anything like yeah. this. Um, I've seen Sidney Crosby. I've seen Alex Ovechkin. Uh, McDavid's just like unreal, and it's like it's, it's a joy to watch. Um, if you love hockey, it's like every anytime he's on the ice, even like sometimes when he's like 
he doesn't get a goal or an assist, it's like it's exciting to watch because it's like you never know. He, it's just he's an absolute game changer. It's incredible to watch. Um, Even yeah. if he doesn't score a goal or assist on a, a near goal, it's still incredible because you're just like half the players in the NHL can't do what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So my uh, my oh here we go. Uh, so uh, in <laughs> get this in two games. McDavid has six points, um, and uh, that's the same with Drysaitel. He he also has six points as well in these two games. Um, on the Calgary side of things, oh, and Zach Hyman has three points, uh, three goals, in fact, um, and then uh, Nugent Hopkins only has three assists. But I say that only just in jest, of course. Um, and uh, so yeah, th- those have been impressive. And Duncan Keith. Has actually been has been showing up. He has one goal and two assists on the Calgary side of things. Of course, this is going to take forever. I know Matthew Kachuk has been uh, really good. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau as well. I'm just waiting and waiting to find out what they what their point totals are in these two games. But um, but yeah, they've been they've uh, stood out on my eyes. And also, I will note that uh, Tyler Toffoli. I have them in front of me. Yeah, that would be great if you can. Okay, okay, here's Calgary's stat lines through two games. Johnny Goudreau, five assists, no goals, just the five assists in those two games. He also has 11 shots, uh, and two of those points are on the power play. Matthew Kachuk, three goals, one assist, four points in those two games, uh, 10 shots, uh, averaging 17.57 of ice time per game, less than Goudreau's. Uh, third leading scorer, Rasmus Anderson, with a goal and two assists. And he's averaged 24.07 in those two games. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane has struggled to get his game going in the first round. Starting to come alive a little bit. Uh, one goal, two assists in the first two games. And he's averaged 14.51 per game uh, of ice time per game in those two games. Elias Lindholm, a goal, two assists. Pretty good hockey as well over those two games. He's averaged 21.20 and he's only taken four shots. So pretty efficient there. Uh, Brett Ritchie, you were mentioning um, off the, the air, Brett, uh, yeah. how good he's been. He has two goals in those two games, and he's only played 7.34 per game in those uh, two games, so doing more with uh, whatever ice time he can come up with. Blake Coleman also has two goals in two games. Toffoli has a goal and assists. And, uh, hey, if you want to talk about depth guys that you didn't realize were on the team, Trevor Lewis with two assists and Michael Stone with a goal – uh, Michael Stone, a depth defenseman that's averaged 15.44 in this series, uh, also had a lot of interesting moments in the first round against Dallas where I think there was one game where he didn't even play 15 minutes and he got like eight shots on net. Didn't score in any of them, but still eight shots on net for, my, for Michael Stone. And this is a guy that was previously bought out by Calgary, then signed uh, for pennies on the dollar as well. Um, yeah, I've... I, I, I'm really astonished to, to see the level of depth scoring that the Flames uh, have to offer uh, in this series. But um, there was one stat line, Brett, that uh, you showed me. Oh, that yeah. just basically, I think it was goals expected in the series or whatever. Right. And you have a bunch of Calgary Flames, one of which Matthew Kachuk. And then you look at Carter McDavid, and it's about the same as yeah. all of the Calgary Flames names on those lists combined. Put yeah, yeah. And then, it's yeah. Like ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, and and what, what's what's even funnier? It's 
Brett Ritchie has the most uh, goals above replacement is what what they're calling it uh, of the team. But then like you have so it's like yes. Brett Ritchie and Connor McDavid have something alike, which is it's just funny. Um, yeah, and I I will say on you mentioned Brett Ritchie. Um, I love his name, of course, but um, he uh, he had this like very very nice goal. Um, which is, it's just impressive because, uh, uh, he's Brett Ritchie. Um, but, uh, yeah, he went like behind the legs and somehow fooled Mike Smith. And that's, that's how you know that Mike Smith is, uh, not doing so hot is when Brett Ritchie, like, can fool you. Um, that, that's probably not good. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was in game two. See, when here's the thing. For a sec, it's, it's very, very important. The Oilers have got to be better starting off games in this series. And this has been a mantra that uh, fans have been screaming about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Start on time. Yep. Start on time. It's been a problem the past couple of years. Calgary in game one, within the first 51 seconds, had a 2 nothing lead. And by the 6.05 mark, where Brett Ritchie scores that goal and Calgary goes up 3 nothing. Mike Smith is chased from that game. I believe his stat line was three goals on nine shots. No, seven goals. Uh, three goals against on ten shots. So seven saves on ten shots. Again, 6.05 into the game, your team is up three and nothing. I know Mike Smith didn't look necessarily all that pretty, but your team as a unit collectively has to start better. And you would think, okay, that won't happen in game two, will it? Wrong. So, yeah. 6.02 this time. It's 2 nothing Calgary. The final of those goals scored by who else? Brett Ritchie. Right. So if the Oilers want to do better in this series, unfortunately the Oilers rally to win game two, uh, maybe get off to better starts in your games, please. Yeah, but like here's, maybe help. here's the thing, and I was just leading on to it before you cut me off, uh, was like the thing that, that was interesting. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It happens a lot. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I'm going to take it to the fact that you're in a radio station. Maybe there's a lag there. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the thing is, is yeah, that... Yeah, there is a bit of a lag, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Edmonton uh, ties the game up, and, and that's great. But then um, the thing was is that uh, Hyman steals the puck on a shorthanded and gets a shorthanded goal, and then... Um, and then a few minutes later, mm-hmm. you have Drysidle who steals. Who also it was a very similar play. He steals the puck and gets a breakaway and scores, of course, um, and to make it five three. So it's like, um, of course, like what what the Oilers need to do is like, yes, you have the best player in the game, best player of the decade, maybe the best player. Like I guess you could make a case that he might be better than Gretzky, but of course I don't. <laughs> I feel like that we we might be a few years away <laughs> on that. For that discussion, maybe McDavid needs to ha- score a, a cup or get a cup or, or so um, in order to have that conversation. But but yeah, it's um, I, I I think that's that's like really important. Is that you're right? Like Edmonton needs to uh, not give up so many leads. But at the same time, when you have McDavid on your team, when you have Drysaddle on your team, that's all you need. Like he is the game changer. It's like you, whenever he has the puck, you know that you're likely going to score. So it's um and and yes, you're probably relying too much on McDavid, but 
uh, who cares <laughs> as long as you're winning. And uh, yeah, that, that's just uh, the power of Connor McDavid. Um, so I like he's just on another level right now, and I, I didn't even think that he could get like he was already impressive, but uh, he's he's on another level right now. Um, and uh, yeah, w- you know he can only hope to contain him, as as they say. Um, so I hear you. I, I think it's also impressive that it's just it's not just. Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Draisaitl, like other players, are making noise, like Evan Bouchard and yep. um, uh, Zach Hyman, and uh, even like Ryan Nugent Hopkins a little bit. Um, so, so I, I, th- I think that's like ultimately what the Oilers need to do is just focus on their depth guys, and um, and yeah, your your goaltending is going to be your weakness, but uh, as long as you have like. You know, you have McDavid, who's the best player in the game, um, and then you have uh, Leon Draisaitl, who's close to the second best player in the game. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe you can make a case for McKinnon or Matthews or whatever. But uh, you have those two guys. Uh, he's definitely up there. Is my point. And you have those two guys. That's all you need. Uh, and um, and yeah, so far it's it's been working out for them. So I, I do hear what you're saying that goaltending is going to be their thing, but um, but ultimately I'm I'm not like you know this is just like like this is something that we've never seen before. So um, so yeah, he's I, I, just so fun to watch, and yeah, I I I, I believe that Connor McDavid's just going to be um, the game changer that we've all knew that he was going to be, um, and and this is his moment. So we'll see. Um, of course, like now it's like after, after I say this, like McDavid just doesn't score for the rest of the series or something like that. But, um, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, all right. Uh, that about does it here for us at, uh, Lace Em Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace M Podcast. Um, you can also, uh, join us on Lace Up, uh, Lace Em Up on Facebook. Also... Yeah. Uh, uh, to toot Steve's horn here, uh, he was on the Fantasy Hockey Life with uh, Victor Nuno, a fellow guest of ours, um, and uh, Jesse Sabir um, on the, on their podcast to talk about the Ottawa Senators. So uh, yeah, please check that out. That have that was like posted last week on on Wednesday. So uh, yeah, please check that out. Um, and yeah, that that's about it for us. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 322 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Oh, right. And also subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already and or any other place you get your podcast, wherever you're listening here. So um, do that. All right. Bye.